It is Wednesday, and it is time for Bible, Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I'm Jeff Smelser, and joining me, as usual, is Joe Works in Elmira, New York. I am in Exton, Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Joe. Hi, Jeff. How are you this afternoon? Good. We're missing somebody today. Chase is uh, out. Uh, he's off uh, gallivanting somewhere. <laughs> I see you. You... Uh... <laughs> You didn't uh, abridge the statement that time. <laughs> yes, yes. He's not just off. He's off in another place. There you uh, go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, Lord willing, Chase will be back with us, I think, next week. Um, but we wish him uh, well. We hope that God uh, will be, able, well, of course, God is able, but we pray that God will be able to, or will accomplish things through what Chase is doing, preaching in Kentucky, I believe, this week. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, today, our title for our webcast this afternoon is They Don't Know What They're Talking About. Um, there are just a, a lot of things that people say about the Bible, and often belittling the Bible or trying to uh, discredit the Bible, and people really show their own ig ignorance when they do this. I'm going to pull up a website, Joe, just while I was trying to get this webcast started, and, in, and then sometimes we have about 30 seconds before I, uh, between the time that I've clicked on everything I have to click, and then we actually start. And in that 30 seconds, I just real quickly popped up a, a website. I just searched for, um, is the Bible reliable or something like that? And I came up with uh, this page here. And so uh, can you see that on screen? Yeah, it shows up. Brief summary. Of I, I don't like the title of it. <laughs> Humanism by Joe. My website. <laughs> That's not, it's not your works. <laughs> um, so this is talking about why the Bible is unreliable, and they'll talk about conflicting genealogies of Jesus. Uh, maybe let's come back and talk about some of these in a minute. They'll talk about inconsistent stories of Judas' death, and they'll talk about contradictory accounts of Paul's conversion. Let's talk about all of those in a minute. That just that'll be interesting. Um, then they come down here and they say. Um, uh, moreover, cruelties, the Bible says God ordered. Uh, that makes the Bible unreliable. Uh, the Bible's unreliable because of its harmful teachings. Um, and so let's come back and, and maybe get a chance to talk about some of those things. But there are all kinds of things that people um, talk about in fairly uh, in, in popular culture. Let's start just to illustrate how little people know about the Bible and how much what they think they know about the Bible isn't from the Bible. By talking about the, the book of Genesis and the story of the first sin, uh, Joe, whenever, whenever you sit down to have a Bible study with people, have they often heard of the idea that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden? Uh, yes, I think it's generally people have some concept of, of that story with the, uh, the talking snake. And, and uh, how, does, how does their version of the story usually go? Um, what, what, what element is, is there in that story as you usually hear it? Uh, well, you can even see it in like uh, children's uh, illustrated Bible story books. And, and uh, I think because of some pictures, People just have this image, and people will talk about how you know uh, the the serpent gave Eve uh, of uh, the apple, and uh, she ate that, and the apple, uh, yeah, and he gave it to Adam. How, so. how many? What percentage of the people that you sit down and study with when you first 
have opportunity to discuss that story with them, uh, what percentage of them would you say uh, believe there's an apple in that story? Oh, by far the majority. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what the percentage, it would be very high. I think it, I, I've never really, you know, I, I've not kept records over the 40 years I've been preaching, but I really think that the percentage of people that I have studied with over 40 years, talking about just people from the community, people, neighbors, whomever, that I sit down and talk with, I think the percentage literally is over 99% <laughs> will have the apple in the story. Now, it's not a big deal. I'm not saying that you can't get into heaven if you think there's an apple in the story. All I'm saying is so many people think there's an apple in the story and there's no apple in the story. So that, that is illustrative of the fact that religious knowledge in our culture is coming from somewhere other than the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, it just mentions the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is no mention of an apple, but people believe there's an apple in the story. What does that tell you? Their knowledge is coming from somewhere other than the Bible. Yeah, not careful reading of the scriptures and allowing this either, you know, some illustration that they've seen, a picture of it or, or whatever. You know, I've heard people connect it with the Adam's apple. Uh, Drew just mentioned that the same yeah. time. <laughs> That's right. Adam jumped on it. So you've got an Adam's yes. apple if you're a man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, it's just sort of shortcutting the story instead of just saying the fruit. Uh, to make it specific, I think, and and it just shows where that may be somewhat innocuous. It's you know, and, and innocent. It's not going to hurt anything per se if you call it a certain kind of fruit, maybe. But it illustrates that people aren't really paying close attention to the details of the scriptures. And so, as you say, so the problem isn't well. If somebody thinks there's an apple, then they can't understand the Bible. No, the problem is what we're pointing out is that when people don't get their information from the Bible, they often end up with ideas they think are from the Bible, and then those ideas get discredited, and they think the Bible's been discredited. Just in, in this particular case, suppose then somebody comes along and says, well, apples don't grow in um, Pakistan. Well, first of all, the Bible didn't say it was an apple, and the Bible didn't say it was in Pakistan. But somebody hears that and goes, oh, the Bible says apples don't grow in Pakistan, so the, the Bible must not be true, or, or yeah. wouldn't be Pakistan, but wherever somebody might say. Um, and so just getting started, people don't know what they're talking about, and especially people, religious, often religious theologians often, they don't know what they're talking about. Another one I want to talk briefly about, no, Joe, you were going to say something there. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, this is not something new. You know, this isn't... Uh, uh, just for, for our generation or something recent, you can think about John, the 21st chapter, um, uh, where Peter is asking Jesus, what about this man? And Jesus says, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Yeah. Uh, Good illustration of people not really listening to what the Lord says and then drawing some really bad conclusions. You can imagine 
when that saying went out that I, I, it seems to me that this is probably referring to the apostle John himself, you know, so John's never going to die. Well, then when John dies, what's going to happen to that misunderstanding or whoever that disciple is? You can see how that's going to lead people astray because they have not paid attention to what the Lord said. Right. When he died, and they're like, oh, Jesus said he was going to die. No, that's not what Jesus said. And, and the fact is people aren't even trying to pay attention to what the Lord says because they're not looking at the Bible itself. They're, they're getting their information somewhere else. Mary Magdalene. There was a, uh, a thing popped up on my, I think it was my Facebook feed. It was a, a link to a video, maybe it's a YouTube feed, but uh, a link to a YouTube video. And the title was, Why Did the Church Hate Mary Magdalene? I didn't bother clicking on the link. I didn't bother looking at the video to see uh, what's going on there. But, there's, but, but I, I know what's in the back. I, I know what's in the background here. It's a popular conception about Mary Magdalene. Popular conception of, about Mary Magdalene is, hey, let's do this. Viewers, if you're watching right now, uh, just send us a quick comment. What is the popular conception of Mary Magdalene? What, what, what do people know about Mary Magdalene? What do people think they know about Mary Magdalene? And I'm going to be turning to Luke the 8th chapter, and hopefully we'll get somebody comment here as to what people know about Mary Magdalene. And maybe, maybe, uh, just getting ahead just a little bit, uh, let's also talk about um, the reliability of the Bible just in terms of the text. Uh, is it what was written 2,000 years ago? And what is the popular conception about uh, how accurate the Bible is in representing what was written 2,000 years ago? Uh, so if, you if we have our viewers who want to chime in with uh, some thoughts on those questions real quickly, I appreciate it. But we don't, not yet. So let's go to Luke the eighth chapter. Here is an introduction to Mary Magdalene. Uh, you know, Joe, yeah, no, let's read this verse. Luke chapter eight, verse one. It came to pass soon afterwards that he went about through cities and villages, preaching and bringing the good tidings of the kingdom of God, and with him the 12, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, that was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Um, so, okay, so somebody somebody actually got that, that somebody uh, commented and said that uh, evil spirits, that's right, that's what the Bible tells us. She was a woman who had been demon-possessed. But Joe, what do people think about Mary Magdalene in the popular culture today? Well, uh, in addition to, or maybe because of the evil spirits, uh, she was a, a prostitute um, uh, that, that came to Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's the popular, uh, popular notion that, that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Does the Bible ever say that? No. I, I think I know where they get that idea, but that's not what the Bible says. Um, and I, I believe, and maybe some of our viewers can, can confirm or deny this, in Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code, uh, he has Jesus being married, and I believe married to Mary Magdalene, or at least cohabiting with Mary Magdalene, and they had a child. Is that the way that book went? That is, yeah. And, and so now there are a lot of people who believe that Mary Magdalene was a Jesus' lover, maybe his secret wife, mother of a child, uh, bothered by Jesus, um, and the, this after her life as a prostitute. Well, the Bible doesn't say any of that. But, well, what, what do we find? In Luke, the seventh chapter, 
um, in Luke, the seventh chapter and verse 36. Luke tells us of an incident where there was a, a Pharisee who invited Jesus to dinner. And so Jesus comes to the Pharisee's house. And in verse 37, as Jesus is eating, dining in the Pharisee's house, behold, verse 37 says, a woman who was in the city, a sinner, and when she knew that he was sitting at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster cruise of ointment, and standing behind at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And then, of course, the Pharisee is perturbed, and he thinks, so this is a sinful woman. You might infer that she was a prostitute. I think that's likely here, although it doesn't explicitly say that. Um, but she had enough of a reputation that the Pharisee uh, thinks that, well, Jesus, if he knew who she were, if he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman she is, and he wouldn't allow this woman to be touching him. And so Jesus ends up rebuking the Pharisee and commending the woman. Well, the thing that it doesn't say, it doesn't say she was a prostitute. That's likely, just given the, the phrasing, she was a sinner, everyone sins, but she was apparently a sinner in a notorious way. Uh, but what, what is clearly missing in the text? Uh, connecting her with Mary. There's no mention of her being Mary Magdalene. It's in the next chapter that we meet Mary Magdalene, but Luke doesn't connect that woman with this in any way. But people have just drawn the conclusion that, and, and maybe because there's another woman who is named Mary who anoints Jesus, but that's also not Mary Magdalene. John tells us about that in John the 12th chapter. Um, so you got a woman who has a bad reputation who anoints Jesus' feet. You've got another woman who anoints Jesus and her name is Mary, but it's not Mary Magdalene. And then you've got Mary Magdalene mentioned, who isn't either of those women, but people seem to do a mashup of the whole thing. And they conclude Mary Magdalene uh, is a prostitute. And so, again, you say, well, what difference does it make whether Mary Magdalene were this prostitute or not? Well, this kind of thing then gives rise to such videos as, why did the church hate Mary Magdalene? In other words, there's really, there's something nefarious going on here, and you're not going to get the answer from either the religious authorities or from the Bible. Well, let's talk about religious authorities. Uh, the church, what do they mean when they say, why did the church hate Mary Magdalene? Joe, asking you as a, as a student of God's word, uh, does the church or did the church ever hate Mary Magdalene, speaking as the scriptures speak? Absolutely not. I mean, uh, there, there's certainly no indication of, of that in any way. We read through the book of Acts, the church in the, the first century um, uh, certainly did not hold her in any disregard that's revealed. In fact, she is sort of the apostle to the apostles. Uh, she's the one that is being sent as a messenger to go and tell the apostles that Jesus is resurrected. Um, so uh, she, she's held in esteem, it seems like, by the, by the church. So if somebody thinks the church hated Mary Magdalene, what do they have in mind when they're talking about the church? They're probably thinking of church in capital C uh, as opposed to little c. A lot of times the people will think of the church as the Catholic church. 
so not only not only are people not going to the Bible to find out what the Lord says, they're they're also imagining a church that is not the church that's described in the Bible. And so you have people in our culture today, they look at the Roman Catholic Church, or maybe more broadly, they look at church, I don't know how to say this, denominations, human denominations, and look at the amount, the, the kind of the conglomerate of all of that as the church. And that's not what's described in the Bible as the church, but they look at that and they see things there that they don't like. And then they take stories they've heard that they suppose are in the Bible and are not in the Bible. And they react to all of that. And oftentimes they're going to react negatively and say, I don't believe all that. I don't go along with all that. So the Bible must not be reliable. But they don't know what they're talking about. And that's my point. People are not looking at the Bible. It really, Go ahead. And it's really a shame because that leads a lot of people astray who may not even be antagonistic to the scriptures, but because they view the media or whatever as an authority. So when something like the Da Vinci Code comes out and they've got this person who's clearly in the Bible, Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, clearly in the Bible. And then he creates this, uh, this you know, uh, storyline about them. Um, people accept that, uh, to, to borrow the phrase, as gospel. Um, uh, you know, they, they accept that as, as the truth um, uh, without then coming back to the original source and it leads to a lot of people misunderstanding and and uh, even seeing the scriptures as uh, sort of a I, I don't know um, uh, almost a dirty story. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they, they develop opinions about the Bible, and and their opinions are based on things that have nothing to do with the Bible. Let's let's take a look at this this uh, page that I pulled up just a, a bit ago. This this uh, page that's going to talk about a brief summary of why the Bible is unreliable. And uh, let's see where where was it? oh right here right here. Let's just let's grab some of these right here. The contradictory statements of Paul's conversion. So this is the thing that people like to do. They like to go through and say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. One time it says this, another time it says that. And it, it's, you know, I think I could do a better job of coming up with things that might look like contradictions than they do, but they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so let's look at this one. They've got Acts 9, 7, and Acts 22 and verse 9. Of course, this is the story of when Saul was on the road to Damascus, and he's going to end up being the Apostle Paul, but right now he's somebody who's persecuting the Jews who are believers, persecuting the Christians. And a bright light appears to him. Jesus appears to him, says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. This is the story from whence we get the expression, uh, he saw the light. Uh, Paul, Saul, saw the light. And now he, had, he, he, he changes. He goes from being a persecutor of Jesus' followers to an apostle of Jesus Christ. But in Acts chapter 9 and verse 7, do you have it in the, um, do you happen to have, I've got a King James here. I will, um, I have a New King James. You got the New King James? How does the New King James read in Acts 9 7? 
and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Hearing the voice. So there were some people traveling with Saul, um, and they heard a voice. Uh, later on, Luke tells us about Paul recounting this story, and this is over in Acts chapter 22 and verse 9. And uh, you've got the New King James. I don't remember how it reads there, but what does it say there? Yeah. Now those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. All right. It says they did not hear the voice. But back in Acts 9, when the story was told there, it says they did hear the voice. Now, this is thrown out there as a, a, an example of a Bible contradiction. This is one that just such a simple little thing to do. Just check another translation, and then I'll explain the difference. But if we grab, say, the New American Standard or the New International Version or the English Standard Version, you happen to have any of those handy, Joe? Uh, I do have. Oh, no, I don't. I, I did right here beside me. Now I don't. I've got a New American Standard here handy. Um, so I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 9 and uh, verse 7. Remember, this is where the King James says they um, heard the voice. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 7, New American Standard says, hearing the voice. But then when you turn to Acts chapter 22 and verse 9, and there it will say, uh, they did not understand the voice. Um, so yeah. that's, re that's really the difference. That's not a contradiction. You can hear something without understanding it. But somebody said, well, wait a minute. That just shows that we've got a problem with translations. Um, this is, and, and who knows which is right? Nobody knows which is right. Well, that's not really true. Uh, it, it so happens that the, the New Testament, written in Greek, the book of Acts, written in Greek, uses the same verb here for hear and uses the same word here for voice. Um, but in Greek, it puts the word for voice in either the accusative case or the genitive case. It puts it in the accusative case in Acts chapter 22, puts it in the genitive case in Acts chapter 9. And in classical Greek, uh, there was a distinction to be made between um, the idea of a voice or a sound or the, the verb hear of something, which would be in the genitive case, to hear of a voice, and to hear the voice, which would have the word voice in the accusative case. And one means you're aware of it, the sound of it, but you don't necessarily understand it. The other is you're giving heed to it, you're listening, you're comprehending, you're understanding. And... Uh, that distinction was not always um, recognized or acknowledged in the times of the New Testament, except for the more literate writers, which Luke is. Luke is writing the book of Acts, and he is a physician. He's well-educated, and apparently he acknowledges this distinction there. And so the modern translations, like the New American Standard or the New International Version, the English Standard Version, are going to acknowledge that, and they'll translate it so it's very clear in English. They they heard the sound, but they didn't understand the words. They didn't understand the voice. It's not a contradiction, but people who point to that as a contradiction don't know what they're talking about. And they're, they're speaking from ignorance. 
I, I would assume that only single people would make that argument because any married couple understands the <laughs> difference. You know, that... Yes, yes. <laughs> did you did you hear what I said? Well, <laughs> I heard you saying something, but I I I don't know. Maybe I should stop there. Yeah, you better. Um, that, that, that is the way that my point is that's the way that we use language. The Bible uses language the same way that we do. Yeah. And, and so when you see something like that, it, yeah, you can make that a contradiction if you will only accept it one way. Mm -hmm. But if you accept it in the very common way, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that brings us to this idea of. Um, Something you just said. I like the way you said it, and I wanted to pick up on it. Um, nature of language. How, you know, well, let's just go to it. Inconsistent stories of Judas' death. Matthew 27, 5. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll read Matthew 27, 5. You read Acts chapter 1, verse 18. So these are two different okay. places where the Bible talks about how Judas died. After he betrayed Jesus, um, he killed himself. Uh, but Matthew 27, verse 5 says, uh, he cast down the pieces of silver in the sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. Acts chapter 1, verse 18 says, uh, Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong. He burst open in the middle, and all of his entrails gushed out. So they're saying, well, that's a contradiction. One place it says he hanged himself, and one says he fell headlong and all his entrails gushed out and burst asunder. Um, all right, so is that a contradiction? Does that have to be a contradiction? When, when, when you fall headlong and your entrails burst out, um, I suppose it's it's certainly possible you could fall far enough that your your body could burst open. But usually, at least in the movies, when somebody falls um, 30, 40, 50, 60 feet, their entrails don't burst out. Unless they've been hanging there dead for a little while and the body has swol swollen like a corpse will do and the pressure inside and then it falls and then it's going to burst asunder. So it's entirely conceivable that he hung himself and uh, as, he, as his body hung there, uh, eventually it broke free and burst asunder. And both of these accounts would be perfectly true. Do you ever get two versions of a story that don't say exactly the same thing, but they end up both being true? Uh, yeah, and, and in fact, the Bible is filled with illustrations like that. You know, how many blind men did Jesus heal uh, going through Jericho toward the end of his ministry? One translation says two, another translation, or one uh, account says two, another one has one. It, that's not a contradiction. There were two, but Mark only focuses on one. Yeah. And so uh, things like that uh, are, are not uncommon. What we ought to do is think about putting the stories together. Um, I'll give this brief illustration, but when uh, if you might imagine some crime scene or maybe it's a uh, possible arson scene and the, the fire marshal will come and he will talk to witnesses and he'll ask the witnesses and none of them are going to give the exact same story. 
-hmm. because they're seeing what happened from different angles. Right. What the fire marshal will do is put those stories together to get a complete picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should do right here with Judas's death. That's right. Uh, this statement down here, um, uh, furthermore, the Bible is unreliable authority because of its harmful teachings. Um, so they're going to give a specific example from Mark 6.18, but just generally here, I want to point out that when you make this kind of statement, you're prejudging the thing. If the Bible is what it claims to be, if it's the Word of God, I don't evaluate whether what he told me make, is a good teaching or not. If, if I were in a position of being able to take what God tells me and say, well, I think that's a good teaching, and I don't think that's a good teaching, I'm putting myself in the place of God. I'm, I'm acting as if I already know what is good and what's not. The very premise here is that we are creatures, and God is the creator, and he is going to tell us what is good. And we might sometimes think that something is harmful that is, in fact, good. I can guarantee you there were times when my children thought that uh, what I decreed was harmful, and I knew it was good. <laughs> so... There are times when they thought it was harmful if they went to bed at a certain time, but I thought it was good. <laughs> so, so right. uh, people who do this kind of thing, that, and then and then back to back to the translation issue that we had. We saw in, in Acts chapter nine, the King James saying they heard the voice, and then in chapter twenty-two saying they didn't hear the voice. We can we can make a big deal about that and say, well, the King James should have translated it uh, better. And maybe that's true. But the fact is, as you pointed out, we use the word here in different ways. Um, if, if I might say, Joe, or did, you get, did, you, did you get that gator off the truck? And you say, what? I didn't hear you. Well, if you didn't hear me, why'd you say what? You know, why'd you say exactly. you didn't hear me? Yes. Well, I was saying, did you get that gator off the truck? But you heard the sound, but you didn't hear. But you might say, well, I didn't hear you. What do you mean? You mean exactly. you didn't hear well enough to understand. Uh, I didn't understand. So, but then people will see things like that, and they'll come to the conclusion that we don't really know what the Bible said 2,000 years ago because it's been lost in translation or because um, it's been copied so many times um, that... Uh, it's, it's no longer accurate. Let's get to that in just a second. We've got a comment from a viewer here. Uh, somebody says, if both stories, I think this is referring to uh, Saul's, the account of Saul's conversion. If both stories were exactly in words, probably it's supposed to be in the same words, it would be accused of collaboration. Uh, if all the words and details were identical, and that's true. Uh, if you had just exactly word for word, the same description of the same event, you would say, well, that's not even two independent witnesses. That's just the uh, uh, regurgitation of the same and, words. And, and that's not even a hypothetical thought because people do say, oh, well, one of the gospel writers copied from the other one and, uh, and they, they got all their information from the other one or whatever. Um, and you, you, you can't win with somebody who is bound and determined to reject the Bible as authority then they have to find inconsistencies and they will be quite satisfied with finding something that superficially appears to be 
inconsistent without giving any uh, further investigation or allowing for other understandings or, or other interpretations of that. All right, so people say, well, but the thing is, the Bible has been copied so many times over the centuries. We don't know what it originally said. It's all been lost in the copying, lost in translation. A lot of times people say translation, they don't know what they're talking about when they say translation. I've heard people ask, well, when it was translated, uh, when it was translated into Greek, well, it wasn't translated into Greek, it was written in Greek, but anyway, this is, this is the New Testament in Greek, and I, I can't, yeah, there we go, okay, I can see that. So this is my Greek New Testament, and this is uh, put together from manuscripts, old, old, handwritten copies of the scriptures. And Joe, I'm going to ask you to just uh, read down the last column, the, the right-hand column. That's going to be the column that is going to list the century in which the manuscript uh, was written, when it was made. What do you see there? Just get the first, I don't know, half dozen, first eight or ten. Yeah, I, I can't quite see them well enough to... Uh... Uh, make that out. I'm okay, uh, let me, like I, call, I can do it. Third, sixth, okay, looks like sixth, seventh, yeah. uh, and then it's going to say the third, the third, the fourth, third slash fourth, fourth, third, fourth, and so on. That's talking about manuscripts, um, specifically papyri, from those early centuries. And if I flip through this, it's going to have pages and pages of the manuscripts and what library or what museum they are currently in and it's going to have the beside each one it's going to have the century or some cases the exact year in which that was produced and so it's not like um you know over two thousand years we've lost what it said back in ancient times i want to share a screen here that is amazing. I mean, think about it. if it's the third century, a lot of those were threes. If it's third century, then we're about 200 years from the original writing, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's sort of like the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. Now, the fact is, those are going to be fragmentary. They're not going to have the entire New Testament. But by the time you take all the fragments, and by the time you also take all the quotations in the ancient writers who wrote about the Bible and quoted the Bible, we have a pretty good record going way back as to what the scriptures said um, 1,800 years ago, 1,700 years ago, 1,600 years ago. Um, and so there is this little graphic then. This is a, um, uh, well, that's not what I want. Share screen. There's what I want right there. This is a graphic <clears throat> that it shows the writings of Tacitus, Virgil, Livy, Horace, Isaac, Sophocles. And the bars, the horizontal bars, represent the amount of time that passed from the time that the document was written, Tacitus Annals, uh, well known. Uh, the time at which he lived and those things were written, how much time passed? before a copy was made that exists today. So we're way down here somewhere, and yeah. the copies that we have of his writings go back to about 700 years after the time that he wrote. 
For Virgil, it's about 1,100 years after the time that Virgil wrote. Uh, for Sophocles, it's about 1,400 years after the time that he wrote that a copy was made that still exists today. And, and we don't sit around saying, well, we have no idea what Tacitus said. But for the New Testament, even if we ignore the fragmentary stuff, even if we ignore the, the little pieces of manuscripts, if we just go to the time when we have complete, uh, the whole New Testament, copies of the whole New Testament, we're talking about 250 years after the New Testament was completed until the time the whole thing was produced and we have copies of that yet today. So the New Testament is actually wow. better attested than uh, other ancient writings that we don't doubt. So, you know what I can think though? And it's not just one or two fragments either. No, uh, no, 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 no. No. So you know what I conclude? People don't know what they're talking about. People, people who try to criticize the Bible and say it's unreliable either because we don't know what it said back then or because uh, it, it's been mistranslated or because uh, it says things we don't think or because it has contradictions in it or because um, Jesus married a prostitute. They don't know what they're talking about. They're often reacting to uh, things that aren't in the Bible, and other times they're just factually wrong. Okay, we've got a viewer here with a hand here. Uh, comment. I'm not sure what his comment is. Uh, Drew, if you can get that yeah. comment from that viewer, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. We don't really have like a call in, so if you just type out the, the comment or something, that would work. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. I had one more thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to have to go back. Yes. Yeah, Drew. Uh, okay, it's not raised now. It was raised. I don't know. Maybe he was wanting to use his computer to call in or talk to you because you can raise. They can raise their hand to indicate that. It's up again. CJ is up. You can do it as the host there, Jeff. Just click on it and allow to talk. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Which is what we've been wanting to do for a couple of years now. Hopefully, someone would do it. All right. We'll give it a try here. All right, CJ. How you doing, CJ? Hey, CJ. He's got to unmute his mic. Got to unmute your mic. Hey, CJ. Good, how are you? Good. How are you today? Good. I just wanted to comment uh, on another supposed, another contradiction that people suppose are in the, the Bible is the resurrection of Jesus and, and because you have different people going to the tomb at different uh, at different times and uh, like one translation I think Think says there were two Marys and another Mary. Uh, another translation says there there was there there was just Mary, and then you have a different translation that includes that Mary versus another Mary. Uh, so 
uh, CJ, I think those are not different translations you're referring to, but different accounts. Matthew's account, Mark's account, Luke's account, John's account. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. All right. Yeah, thanks for that, CJ. So, Joe, that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. You'll have different accounts of the same incident. You mentioned um, how many blind men did Jesus encounter. I think you mentioned that earlier. Uh, in the right, accounts right. of the resurrection. Bartimaeus. And, yeah. In the accounts of the resurrection, you'll have one account that will mention uh, one person, another account that may mention two people. It uh, doesn't mean that there's a contradiction. It's just that one of the accounts of the resurrection isn't giving all the details that another account does. But you're right, CJ. People will sometimes point to that kind of thing and say, well, it's a contradiction. Um, all right. I wanted to get back. I wanted, there was something else I wanted to conclude with today, and I, I'm just having a mental blank. And um, well, let, let me. Yeah, go ahead. Let me throw something out while you're thinking about that. And uh, you don't have to listen to me, Jeff. You can think, try to remember what you were going to say. Um, go ahead. Well, just I'll, I'll throw this out quickly then. So in Luke 24, you have the two people on the road to Emmaus. And for years, I've heard people, preachers, preach about the two men on the road to Emmaus. But the text never calls them two men. So... Uh, I forget where I first heard this. It was just a few months ago, in fact. Somebody posed the possibility that it's not two men, but it's a man and a woman, in particular, a husband and wife. And the argument that was presented was when they get to where they were heading, they turn to Jesus and say, come and stay with us, uh, which would be at least some circumstantial evidence that these people are living together and that would then be more likely that we're talking about husband and, and we just don't know who they are you know yeah. it could be two men that are renting a house or whatever you know we, we don't know yeah but it's one of those places where we've always read a story in a certain way and we've not really noted some of the things that we're adding kind of like the adam's apple yeah kind of thing yeah I, the thing I wanted to conclude with was this. One of the things that people say, and I hear, I hear people who should know better, I hear Christians say this, that the Bible uh, wasn't put together. You know, of course, we've got 66 books in our Bible. It's this whole collection of books that are written by different writers over a span of time. And they'll, they'll say they weren't all put together as a collection or recognized as a collection until Constantine's time, uh, and the canon was formed in the fourth century. And there's no, there's no basis for that. Um, right. let, let me just put, let me just posit this, this conception. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, He's already talked about the fact that among those at Corinth, there were those who had a spiritual gift, the ability to discern spirits, the ability to recognize who was a messenger from God and who wasn't. And Paul writes to these people in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37, he says, if any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him take knowledge of the things that I write unto you, that they are the commandments of the Lord. The church at Corinth had the ability, when they got the letter from Paul, to recognize this is inspired writing. This is, this is the Word of God. And then that was communicated, and everybody knew. 
that, okay, this letter that came to, to the church at Corinth from Paul, that, that's the word God. And so Peter can say over in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse 15, account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to wisdom given to him, wrote unto you, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, wherein are some things hard to be understood, which the ignorant and unsteadfast rest, as they do also the other scriptures. What that indicates is that people in the first century, they knew what was scripture, they knew what was from the Apostle Paul, what was legitimately from the Apostle Paul, what should be classed as the Word of God, what should be classed as scripture. The Jews certainly had an understanding of what were the Old Testament scriptures, and they could refer to them in mass, the Psalms, the, the prophets, and, and uh, the writings. And so when you look at that, then sure, there may be controversy that occurs in ages to come, and they might have some council where they're going to get together and debate what is and what is not Scripture. But my illustration is always this. How many states are there in the United States, Joe? There are 50. 50 states. But during uh, the campaign, presidential campaign some years ago, somebody said there are 57 states. Uh, yeah, Washington, yeah. Washington D.C. wants to be a state. Some people want to make Puerto Rico a state. Some people would like to blur the line between what is a state and what is not a state. That the controversy could become enough of a problem that Congress would have to have some debate. They might pass a resolution. They might say there are 50 states. And that might change. They could add a state at some point. But if 3,000 years from now, they, or 2,000 years from now, they, they look back at our period of time and they find that decree that Congress might make saying there are 50 states, they can say, well, nobody even knew how many states there were. They didn't even have a concept of a collection of states that were a union until the year 2021. No, <laughs> that's not true. We've known ever since 1959, there are 50 states. And there have been 50 states. The fact that our society falls apart and people get confused doesn't change the fact that there were 50 states. That's the way it is with the books of the Bible. God's people knew what his word was. And then as you go down in time and you see uh, people becoming nominally Christians and claiming to be Christians who aren't in this church forming that is not the church that the Bible talks about, yeah, there are going to be people who don't know what they're talking about. And people today don't know what they're talking about. Well, I think we're out of time, Joe. We have to leave it at that. Did you have a final word? You, you're, you're muted. Are you intentionally? May, may, God, uh, may God bless us to where we uh, care more about his scriptures so that we do know what we're talking about in regard to uh, his word. Thank you, Joe. And hopefully we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.